Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Matt Lance about serving the body of Christ with our spiritual gifts. Matt gives us an overview of the purpose and function of each of the spiritual gifts and how we can go about identifying and using our gifts to serve the church. What is the purpose of stewarding our gifts for the glory of God? Here's what Matt had to say. You know, Jesus is still here among us, even though he's ascended to the right hand of the Father, as I employ my gifts for his purposes and glory, as you employ yours for the same. It's like Jesus never left. We function as the the physical manifestation of Christ on the earth. And our words, whether we have speaking gifts or our works, whether we have gifts of service, they both function in a way that manifests Christ. It makes the kingdom of God available, just like it was in the first century when Jesus was doing the same thing. Only now we can do it worldwide. Rather than being localized in one person, Jesus has empowered all of us by his spirit so that now almost everywhere you go in the world there is a body of christ that is the hands and feet of jesus working together to manifest the reality of the kingdom to anybody that's interested now if you're a longtime listener you'll know him already but just in case you missed his first two appearances on the podcast matt lance is a husband father and pastor who lives in texas with his wife and three children He's a graduate of TCU and Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's been working in full-time ministry since 2000, preparing the way for the Lord Jesus and the lives of men and women. Matt was the founding director of a discipleship program called The Forge at Pine Cove, which is actually where we met, and where Matt spent 12 years helping young men and women learn their identity and steward it well. He's recently moved on from The Forge and is now the West Campus Pastor for Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Without further ado... On to my conversation with Matt Lance about spiritual gifts. Well, Matt, you are the podfather. We have given you a name now because you're the first third time guest ever on the Journey Women podcast. So welcome back. <laughs> that's a little bit ridiculous, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, you come back like every trimester. You were on uh, episode 18, The Theology of Identity. And that was like a huge hit, still one of our most popular episodes. And then we chatted about fear, which that was probably one of the bookmark episodes for me last year, especially as I'm like reading through the text, like reading through the Bible. It just stands out to me now how many times the Bible exhorts us to fear the Lord. Um, and, And especially in contrast to like what I see on social media and things like that, like fear is a liar and all that. And today we're going to talk about using our gifts to bless the body of Christ. And so I'm really excited because one of the most frequently asked questions is, can you get Matt Lance back on to talk about how we can like, you know, better understand who we are and what we're doing here and potentially like help us craft our own identity statement? Because so many people have heard me talk about how I'm a journey woman for Jesus. And that's kind of the heart behind the name for the Journey Women podcast. So welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Always glad to be here, Hunter. Thanks. 
So if somebody hasn't listened to the first two episodes, number one, you should go back and do that now. But would you kind of give a brief overview about who you are, what you do? I guess I'll tell people right out the gate that you have been a mentor of both Brooks and mine. Brooks mentioned you actually on the uh, Ask Me Anything episode that we did just a couple weeks ago and said that you're the, the person who's had the most influence in his journey with Jesus. So huge fan of Matt Lance over here in the Beelis house. But who are you, Matt? And what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I certainly do enjoy you and Brooks. It's been a lot of fun, not only having you guys as students in the past, but also as friends now. So I've probably learned just as much from the two of you guys as, as, as you have ever learned from me. So I just think this is a cool uh, friendship that we have. And um, just, you know, we got to work it out so that we can be closer together uh, someday so that we can see more of each other. That would be fun. I know. We'll finally start that uh, that Forge Marriage program that we always talked about. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there are uh, some folks out there that would really like to see that happen, but it's not going to happen. Not, <laughs> not happen. That would be ultimate drama. <laughs> oh, to say the least. Uh, so currently, you know, we, we loved our time at Pine Cove and had a great time with the Forge. It's a great ministry, continues to be a great ministry there and, uh, loved it, but God was calling us to be, um, calling us back to the church. And so about a year and a half ago, we relocated from Tyler back to Fort Worth. And now we serve, uh, at a church called Christ Chapel Bible Church. And, uh, I now serve as the West Campus pastor at one of our locations just on the West side of Fort Worth. So. I've uh, been doing that for a little while and, and love being a pastor and, and serving the body of Christ in a way that uh, helps to um, encourage people to grow up um, in maturity in Christ. It's been a lot of fun. Well, I couldn't think of anybody better suited to talk about spiritual gifts and like helping us determine like what are our gifts, because that's really been a ton of what you've done in your ministry um, over the past couple of decades, right? Like you were helping people understand who they are and how God's uniquely gifted and wired them um, during the time that you spent as the director of the Forge and the developer, founder of the Forge. Um, And then you did that in your church that you're at right now, right? Like helping kind of... Uh, find people to fit different positions in your church and things like that. Are you doing much of that anymore? Obviously you're helping people steward their gifts in the body as a pastor. Yeah, no. So my first role of the church was, was that what really was kind of um, designed to help people fit into the body of Christ in in certain roles. And so that was my first role. And they've just recently transitioned me over to helping with our West campus. So I still am going to help the church uh, when it comes to hiring and getting people on board and, um, you know, right fit and right places for people that want to give their lives uh, to the ministry and for the sake of the gospel. So uh, I feel like one of the things that I not only am, am good at, but really enjoy doing is helping people understand their design and put it into practice. And so, as you as you mentioned, that was really what we didn't know the Forge was going to be until a little bit later on. But that's really what the, one of the strengths of the Forge program became was helping young men and women understand that they've been uniquely and specifically designed for service in God's kingdom and that uh, it's God's desire to see that put to practice. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I would because it's just kind of one of those things that you are and so you do. But I definitely feel like I can articulate the way in which God has designed me and gifted me 
so much better because of your influence. And it's funny because we just did a spiritual gifts class at my church here in Clarksville, mm. Tennessee. And cool. my spiritual gift is like consistent from what we talked about in the forge over 10 years ago. So speaking That's of awesome. spiritual gifts, yeah. Could you kind of lay it out for us? Like what is a spiritual gift and maybe kind of offer a distinction between what's the difference between a spiritual gift and then something that you're just kind of like gifted at something that you're skilled at, like a talent, that type of thing. Sure. Sure. So spiritual gifts is something that really is, um, they're, they're a little bit confusing to be perfectly honest. There's a lot of people that say a lot of different things about the spiritual gifts and a lot of people that, um, you know, have a lot of different opinions about how, what they are and how they should be used. Um, I'm going to stay away from a lot of the controversial things and really just kind of stick to the bare bones kind of, uh, um, you know, baseline things to keep it simple and um, let you guys get off into the weeds later on if you want to get into the more technical <laughs> things. But really, I would say if there was one passage that kind of helps me understand what a spiritual gift is, it's First uh, Corinthians 12, um, you look at verses like four through seven, and it says there are different gifts, but the same spirit. And there are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different results, but the same God who produces all of them and everyone. And then verse 7 is really the key. It says, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. So a spiritual gift really is uh, a specific manifestation of the Spirit's work in and through us, believers in Jesus. And it tends to have a coordinating effect on all of us as individuals as the body of Christ so that we can do the work that God's called us to do as one body. I think too, the other thing we need to understand is that a manifestation of the spirit is, is this kind of, it's a spirit empowered ability for sure, but it's also a role or a purpose or a a mission that the ability is, has been given for. So we're kind of thinking of those as two sides of the same coin a spiritual gift isn't just a spiritual ability, but it's a spiritual ability that has a spiritual purpose. Um, like whoever invented a hammer, they had a specific purpose for it in mind. So whoever designed it gave it a special form, a special function, a special ability so that it could do what it was designed to do. And I think spiritual gifts are uh, the, the way that that happens in and through Christians, as they believe in Jesus, as they grow in Christ, become more like him, and as they learn the importance of serving uh, within the church um, to do the things that God called them to do. Uh You pretty clearly laid that out from the passage in 1 Corinthians 12, but do you have anything that you'd like to elaborate on as far as what the purpose of the spiritual gifts actually is? Like, why do we have these gifts? Why has God given them to us? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Ephesians 4 also says that we're supposed to equip the saints um, or that the Spirit of God actually comes and and moves and works in us, that these gifts are manifested in us um, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which ultimately leads up to the uh, building up of the body of Christ so that we all attain um, unity of the faith and the the knowledge of the Son of God, so that we become mature persons uh, as we become more like Jesus. That's Ephesians 4, uh, 12 and 13. So really, spiritual gifts have, I guess you could say, three purposes. One, 
um, they're given the manifestation of the spirit comes to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. They are uh, manifestations that, that are abilities that help us do the things God's called us to do. Number two, they build up the body of Christ. They encourage us. They help us grow. They help us to course correct. They comfort us. They challenge us, all of those things. And then finally, number three, that, as each of us um, wield and employ our gifts, they make us one. We, we are united together as, um, you know, a finger to a hand and a hand to a wrist and a wrist to an elbow and so on, that there's this unifying, unifying purpose of spiritual gifts, uh, more so than I would say a distinguishing purpose of a spiritual gift. And what I mean by that is, that the manifestations of the spirit in our lives, specifically through these abilities and roles, isn't so that we can distinguish ourselves uh-huh. and so that we can make something of ourselves and so that we can, you know, know who we are as much as it's really to unify us as followers of Christ in the same mission that we have together as the church to make the kingdom of God available to everyone. Yeah, that's super helpful. And I think it kind of levels us because so often we look at some of the gifts and we just tend to rank them like in order of importance. But when you think about it that way, it's like there's so much need for every part or every gift, you know, that that exists. So what are some of the gifts that are listed in Scripture? Like what gifts might we have been given? Okay. Uh, this this one's, I think, a really important question because a lot of people think, well, a spiritual gift is just something that I'm I'm really good at. And yeah. So I've got the spiritual gift of knitting or something like I that. I think and, I wrote on my uh, Forge application, I'm pretty sure I wrote that this was, okay, keep in mind, give me grace, people. This was over 10 <laughs> years ago. I think I wrote that I had this spiritual gift of discipleship. Yeah. <laughs> and that's great. Like, and I, and I, you are really good at that, Hunter. I'm, I'm not, not, not taking anything away from you on that, but in, in terms of what gifts. the Bible says, yeah, it's not, it's not something that's listed. So what gifts are there? It, it kind of depends. And so this is where we're going to kind of flirt with a little of the controversy here. So uh-huh. some say there is as few as two spiritual gifts. Some say there are as many as 22 or 25 uh, and everything in between. So I'm going to give you kind of the traditional conservative, uh, more evangelical kind of response to this question-ish. And I'm going to tell you the easiest way to remember where to find the gifts is by knowing the numbers 12 and 4. Okay. Okay. If you remember 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Mm -hmm. and then Ephesians 4, Mm -hmm. and 1 Peter 4. It's in those four passages that you'll find the majority of the listing of the gifts. And so... First uh, Corinthians 12 talks about wisdom, knowledge, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, uh, tongues, teaching, helping, administration. And then Romans talks about prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. Ephesians 4 says apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, pastoring, teaching, and then First Peter 4 says, speaking and service. Uh-huh. And what's interesting is that no one gift is mentioned in all four of those texts. Um, that is interesting. What's, what's also interesting is that only two of the gifts are mentioned in three of the four texts, and that's prophecy and teaching. So as you mentioned before, none of them are really 
overemphasized too terribly much uh, as much as they're, as Paul describes them in each of these four different contexts there and then and Peter as well. They're also not meant to be really distinguishers as much as they are supposed to be kind of unifiers. Okay. Well, this may be a really daunting question given the size of the list, but is there any way we can get like a brief overview of the spiritual gifts just for those who are listening and they're thinking, man, okay, here are these gifts, but I don't really know like what they are, how they would flesh themselves out in everyday life. Um, yeah, so I will, uh, I'll do my best to, to describe my understanding of them. Um, I, I don't, I just want to qualify just here and say for a second that there are a lot of different interpretations of these gifts and uh-huh. I, my, certainly my definitions aren't the end all be all of what they are. And I think there's also a lot of people, and I think this bears saying there is, there are certain people that believe that some gifts are, um, active and are still, um, that all the gifts are active and right. still in play and working. And some people that believe that some gifts have ceased and are no longer active in the body of Christ. Uh-huh. And so I'll, I'll, I'll try to describe to you those, uh, those gifts, but I'll try to stay away from which ones I think are or aren't. And we'll just let it be uh, up to your listeners to kind of distinguish that for themselves. Um, so let's go through the list here. So prophecy um, is the first one here on my list. And it, it Again, can be a lot of different things. Um, a lot of people seem to think that it's um, the ability to receive and proclaim this message from God where you can tell the future and you're going to talk about something that has yet to happen and it's got this uh, uh, foretelling kind of aspect to it. And there are other people that seem to think that the gift of prophecy has less of the future and more of what I would call the foretelling mm. aspect. So prophecy could be something of just kind of saying, guys, the word of God says this, Uh not living this way. We should live that way. Kind of like the Old Testament prophets type of thing, like calling people back to living, you know, in in accordance with God's word. Exactly. And so Old Testament prophets would tell the future as well. But, you know, some people think that it's both of those elements and think people think it's just one. So, but generally speaking, I would say the way that I've understood it is that prophecy is is about uh, uh, foretelling rather than foretelling. But that's my own personal personal deal. Then you have um, gifts like service and helps, which are essentially uh, manifestations of the spirit where people are motivated to care for the physical needs of the body of Christ, and they'll do it. They're willing to serve in any means necessary. These are the people that you know that when there's a need uh, that somebody has, that they roll up their sleeves and they jump in and do it without anybody even asking them. They're, um, they're the people who are ready to uh, work long hours, um, to do hard things so that other people can benefit. Um, the gift of teaching is, is really, I would say, not just the ability to talk well or speak well in front of other people, but it's to take the Word of God and clearly both explain and then apply its truth in a way that helps other people learn and then also apply the scriptures themselves. So it's not just somebody that speaks well, it's somebody that's able to interpret the scriptures and communicate them in such a way that is spiritually effective in the lives of other Christians. Exhortation is similar, 
I would say it has more, uh, it's more on the side of motivating other people to respond to God's word. Um, it gives them um, encouragement in terms of positive feedback and also correction in terms of, you know, kind of some of a, like, like a, prof, a prophecy gift would, would do. Believers that have the gift of exhortation tend to be those that really challenge us and, and stimulate our faith. And they, they really help us, um, and they help us to grow in Christ by their um, exhortation to us. So, so a lot of times people that have the gift of teaching will also have the gift of exhortation, or sometimes mm. people that have the gift of prophecy will also have the gift of teaching or exhortation. So sometimes they, they work uh, in tandem. Uh, the gift of giving is essentially the ability to be generous in a way that is uh, full of faith. So that's generally with regard to material resources, but these people are ones that do it with great generosity, uh, with great cheerfulness when they do that. There are a couple different ways. Some people that have this gift tend to prefer to uh, not have a lot of money, meaning I know some people that it's their life goal to live on 10% of their income so they can give away 90% of it. Wow. That's that's a, a manifestation of the spirit that not everybody has, and it's certainly not required by scripture. It's something that really God is working in and through that person to do, and other people are going to benefit from it. Um, there's other people that are giving in the sense of, you know, you have those friends that are, oh, what, you need to borrow my car? Here, take my car, and here, you can have it for a month. I don't, I'll find another, I'll find a car for myself. I don't know where I'm going to find one, but I'll figure it out. You need a car more than I do. You know, they're just so selfless that they're they're really generous with what they have. So the gift of giving, obviously, is really important to the body of Christ. Uh, leadership is another gift. Leadership is all about um, uh, leading people um, to do the things that God would have them to do. Um, that includes communicating well, um, casting vision, and also motivating people to do the things that not just God wants them to do as individuals, but that God wants us to do as a whole, as a, as a group of people. Um, this person is also really good at um, caring for other people and getting, I would say, getting the job done without taking advantage of others. Um, the, the spiritual gift of leadership tends to manifest itself in people that we all want to follow. We all want to be like because they tend to be so uh, winsome and motivating, but then also they they tend to lead us to things that only God could have led us to, and we recognize in that in them, and we see that in them, and it's it's um, it's inspirational to us. A lot of people have the gift of mercy, and uh, you know, for lack of a better uh, description, it's the things that uh, move and break the heart of God, uh, move and break the hearts of the people with this. With this gift, um, um, people that have the gift of mercy have a unique ability to, to empathize well. Um, they tend to be extra compassionate, and they know how to enter into uh, suffering and um, distress and other kind of difficulties that we encounter in our lives with great care, with great kindness, with great ease, too, that they are able to be in those circumstances and care for those situations in a way that almost feels natural to them, and it doesn't require a lot of extra effort. Um, they're tremendously valuable um, to the body of Christ as, as there is so much pain and suffering and hurt that people with the gift of mercy 
um, really serve the body of Christ well. Uh, the gift of wisdom is essentially helping other people uh, see the world the way that God sees the world. Um, it's just kind of like teaching in the sense that you're wanting people to uh, take the principles that are in God's word and apply them to their own lives in um, practical and specific ways. But it's not so much in a teaching context as much as it's either modeled or given as advice or counsel or kind of one-on-one side-by-side kind of mentoring. At least that's the way it's been in, in my experience. Uh-huh. But essentially when you're around people that have the the manifestation of, of wisdom, it's, um, it's, it's like you're getting a new set of eyes is kind of the easiest way to describe it. They help you see things from God's perspective that you weren't able to see before. So I hope that, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that does. The gift of knowledge is, um, it's kind of hard to explain. And to me, I think it's the most difficult gift to discern and also wield because it's where you are able to um, take information and uh, things that you know and communicate it to other people uh, in a way that helps them learn and grow. But it also is very easy for you to do that. So if you can learn concepts quickly and then you're able to communicate them to other people in a way that they are also able to learn. That may be an, uh, an evidence of the gift of knowledge. Um, also, these people tend to be extremely insightful. They are able to see and communicate, I would call them, quote unquote, deeper truths or uh-huh. things that are less visible to us. They are able to make connections that not only that most of us aren't able to see. Um, and that is also extremely edifying to the body of Christ. Um, and there are a, a lots of other dimensions to this gift, but I'll just stop, uh, stop with that. Um, the gift of faith is, I would say, the ability um, the man, the, where people that have this gift tend to uh, take risks uh, more often and more readily than most people are able or willing to. They have a vision for what God wants to happen or where God wants us to go. And they're, they are willing to be the first ones to take that step in the direction where maybe other, other people might be a little bit more afraid or a little bit more hesitant. They're the ones that are going to be the first ones to take the step, regardless of the circumstances. Um, even if things, and especially, I would say, especially when things indicate that the step shouldn't be taken, when they're, when circumstances are contrary to taking the step of faith, they are still willing to take the step because they believe God's called them to move forward. And those people are so essential to the body of Christ because they lead in a way that really motivate and inspire us to move along with them. Um, and so people with the gift of faith um, are, are incredibly important. Uh, then you also have some of what are called more of the miraculous gifts. Mm-hmm. Healing, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. Um, it's, you know, the supernatural curing of illnesses or diseases or other kinds of things. You basically the restoration of health. Um, I think for those people that believe in this gift, I think they would say that nobody with the gift of healing believes that they are the source of the healing, that again, it is God working in and through them. Um, but that's one, I think, uh, another one is miracles, which is also very similar um, this is now branching out from the healing of sickness and disease and the restoring of health to doing 
uh, other things that are beyond just health related that are miraculous signs of God's sovereignty works that demonstrate um, the word of God and the kingdom of God. This is, this is essentially why Jesus performed his miracles, by the way. Um, uh, he wasn't just showing off as uh-huh. you know, if people uh-huh. didn't believe his words, they could believe his works. And if people didn't hear his words, they would see his works and then they would seek out his words. And so there's always an interesting relationship between words and works when it comes to the miraculous um, in the spiritual world. And there's also the gift of tongues. This one is probably the most controversial, obviously, and uh, the most uh, misunderstood. And we could do a whole three or four thousand uh-huh. podcasts on it, I'm sure. So I'll just say um, that the gift of tongues is essentially where uh, somebody receives a message in a, in a language that uh, the recipient doesn't know. That's generally kind of the understanding of the gift. Um, but that it also requires uh, a sort of interpretation right. as well. Um, and that's something that, that, that keeps things orderly in the body of Christ, which is another gift. There's also the gift of apostleship, which, um, you know, to be perfectly honest, I am the most uncomfortable with in terms of understanding where it functions, because essentially it's, it's, a, it's a gift that really bestows authority on um, on someone to, to lead the body of Christ. Um, a lot of people, there are some people that tend to think that the gift of apostleship is unique to people who plant churches. Like that's what it, that's kind of a modern day application of apostleship. Um, okay. Uh, that's fine. Um, some people think that, um, it's, um, the overseeing of multiple churches or being, um, the head of a large church or something like that. Um, but generally it has to do with authority. Um, and that's the best I can describe it. I, I'm, I'm the most foggy on apostleship. And then uh, I'll try to wrap it up here quickly. Um, administration is, I think, probably the most interesting gift and one of the more misunderstood ones as well. People think that if they have the gift of administration that they're doomed to be, you know, some sort of secretary for the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all what the gift is. Um, uh, the gift is, in fact, the Greek word, or the gift of administration is the word that's used for piloting or navigating a boat. Hmm. And so I think the gift of administration really is more akin to the gift of leadership um, than it is anything else. And I think it really is these people that um, know how to, to steer an organization and a group of people in a particular direction. They know how to get the right people in the right seats on the bus. They they know how to organize systems in, in such a way that other people benefit. I think Joseph, um, uh, the, the son of Jacob, is a great example of the gift of administration, by the way. He is Pharaoh's right-hand man. Obviously, he had other gifts, too, but um, I think that, that was uh, he's a great example. And then, of course, uh, there's uh, the gift of evangelism, which is the ability to be um, not only clear in your presentation of the gospel, but also effective where people tend to resonate with the way that you share the gospel or you see people come to Christ in ways that other people just don't. Um, They tend to be really effective in one-on-one context, but then you also have others that, you know, like the the late Billy Graham Mm -hmm. um, that, are effective in stadiums. Um, and so it, it really has to do with sharing the gospel. And then finally, uh, the last one is uh, shepherd or pastoring. 
And this gift really has to do with the caring of souls where um, you are as if, if this is the manifestation of the gift in your life, you have the ability to lead and nourish, protect and care for the souls of individuals and the souls of people together. And that you're um, uh, it's both a fatherly and a motherly sense of nourishing and protecting of the souls of the people in the, in the flock of God. Uh, typically people who tend to be pastors, obviously, but also elders or deacons uh-huh. typically tend to have this gift. So that was a, as quick as I could go. I was a mouthful. For sure. But... Did you hit discernment? I'm not sure if we got that one. Um, You know what? I skipped right over it. You're right. Tell me that. I know that's your, isn't your spiritual gift discernment? So discernment, um, the gift of discernment really is, I would say, the ability to distinguish motives and the the thoughts and inclinations of the hearts of other people. Um, I think I think a, a way that that you know you're in the presence of somebody who has discernment when you feel like they've read your mail or they read your diary, and you haven't told them some of those things. It's like, wow, how does this person know me so well uh-huh. that they're able yeah. to say these things to me? Um, typically these people tend to be super observant and they know they have, I would call it a, they have a, a, a a third eye to see into the lives of people and they tend to have that eye to call them away from sin or to call them up into a God designed them to be or do, um, or to call us uh, forward into faith. Uh-huh. So a lot of people that have discernment typically have a teaching or a prophecy or a faith gift, um, at least in my experience. I recently heard that, like, because, you know, you hear the word wisdom and then you hear the word discernment and they sound so similar, I think, in the way we use them in the English language. And I heard that wisdom is more of like a problem oriented gift where you're able to see how to navigate like situations and discernment is more of like a people oriented gift. And I thought that was a really cool distinction. I think it's so important for us to have an understanding of all of the gifts, not just the spiritual gift that we feel like we have been given um, yeah. so that we can encourage and admonish one another in our giftings. And and just for like the simple tool of discipleship, is there anything else you want to add? Like how has knowing the gifts um, and what they are helped you in your discipleship relationships and in the way in which you pastor and the way in which you interact with the body of Christ? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I think they're the easiest things that, um, as a as a mentor uh, or as a pastor, that I'm looking to see and discern in people when I first meet them. Mm-hmm. Especially as a pastor, I want to see them um, put their gifts to use and uh, to wield their gifts, because when they do that, they experience satisfaction. Other people are edified, and God gets glory when they do that too. So when we're using our gifts the way that God designed for us too, it really uh, is a blessing. And that's why they're called gifts. They're not gifts because they belong to us. They're gifts because we give them away uh, to other people. And when we do that, it, it, it brings joy. It brings happiness and healing and, and help and, and um, care and, and, and life. It's a, it's really a special um kind of, I would say, wrinkle in the way that God designed us and the way that God has designed uh, the church itself, that we would 
each have different manifestations of the spirit that work together for the common good. There's no one person that's, that's kind of a superstar that has all of these things as much as it right. each other. And as we need each other, we find mutual encouragement and edification and, and uh, a quality of life that we couldn't have had by ourselves. And that can only be found when we're willing to give our lives away. Uh, for the sake of Christ. Yeah, I love that you made that uh, distinguisher because I think when we think about gift, we think about our, you know, we just live in this like egocentric culture and society where we think about the gift is all about us, but it really has um, so little to do with us and so much to do with the collective body of Christ. And that's why we wanted to talk about it today. So how do we actually obtain a spiritual gift? Like at what point are we like given this gifting and beyond that, like how do we know which gift we have if, you know, maybe we haven't taken a spiritual gifts test or maybe we've taken a test and we feel like "Eh, that wasn't super clear. How can we actually determine what gift we've been given? Okay. So I don't know. Uh, I don't think I, uh, spiritual gifts are obtained like, uh, like I obtain a double cheeseburger from Waterburger, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, when we become believers, um, the Spirit of God comes to take residence within us. He indwells us, okay? And as He takes up residence in our lives, there is and should be evidence of that making its way to the outside especially if we listen to him, especially if we submit to him and, and walk according to him, as, as it says, there'll be fruit of the spirit. Okay. And one of the fruit of the spirit isn't just love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness and all those. Uh-huh. It's also, I think these manifestations where um, I have an ability and a role where I can now fit and serve within the body of Christ. So, we don't really have to do anything specifically to obtain a gift as much as our belief in Jesus results in the spirits and dwelling in us. And then it's manifestation in us as we continue to grow in Christ and submit to his leadership of our lives. The question of, well, how do we know what gift we've been given? I think what you said earlier is super important and very key is we need to know what the gifts are. Um, so that we can recognize those gifts, not just in ourselves, but in other people. Because I think the best way to come to know the gifts you have is when somebody else points it out in you. Uh-huh. But how is somebody going to point out a gift in you unless you're serving in the church in the first place? A lot of people will sit in a pew on a Sunday morning, and then they'll want to take a spiritual gifts test to know what they're good at or what they're best at or whatever. And it's not, that's not what a spiritual gift is for, but I'm trying to find a sense of identity in my life. And so I'll take this test and this will tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life. <laughs> and then we go and we, we say, well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. And then we do it when I think it should be the opposite. What excites you that's mm. going on in your church? Where can you plug in? Where can you serve? Whether it's in your youth ministry or your children's ministry, or maybe you have a ministry to people that are in, incarcerated, or maybe you have a ministry to people who... Um, have uh, difficult pregnancies or are single moms or whatever, jump in and serve. And what you'll find is there'll be other Christians serving alongside you that will look at you and go, whoa, you're really good at that. Uh And you have to understand when that comes from another Christian, they're giving you an honest compliment. 
but they're also recognizing God glorifying himself in and through what you're doing. That it's a recognition, not of how good you are, but of how much God is working in and through you. And once that happens, when you, when you have a Christian who recognizes gifts and you have someone uh, who is serving well, then you now, uh, somebody can speak to you and confirm to you um, the gifts that you have. Like you said, you took the spiritual gifts test, you know, the, the way we did it in the forge. And, you know, 10 years later, you're still hearing some of the same feedback from uh-huh. other Christians. And that's, that should be the way it is. You know, we did spiritual gifts tests in the forge, not like as a test, like you, you know, write it down on a piece of paper and circle the answers. We had you guys live together. We had you guys uh, serve together. We had you guys just be together. And then we, after a time, we taught you what all the gifts were. And then we asked you, what do you think the gifts of the other people in your class are? And it was amazing to see how many of you were in agreement uh-huh. on each of the gifts each year. It was amazing. And I think that's the best way to find out our gifts is ideally through the body of Christ that you're a part of. as they see you serve and as they speak that confirmation to you. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think my spiritual gift, I didn't realize that everyone didn't have it because it felt so innate and it felt so natural. And so it was incredibly helpful for someone to to say to me, like, this isn't the way that I've, like, for example, with the gift of discernment, I think you once told me that the gift of discernment is like having eyes to see things accurately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, and... (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of times, in fact, I was not wielding my spiritual gift to serve the body because I kind of was like using it for my own selfish purposes and like maybe even judging other believers just because I thought like, doesn't everybody see things like the way that I see them? And like, why can't you see this? And, and then when I came to better understand that like God has uniquely gifted me in this way that I can, you know, discern things, then I can use that discernment to like speak into situations in a way that's actually like beneficial to the body versus like me, you know, kind of hoarding it for myself and using it for my own like judgmental purposes. Man, I hate whenever you get me to do this, Matt, and admit my faults in front of every single. <laughs> no, it was really that's, that's really well said. I mean, uh, most of us, either when we're young Christians or when we don't know about spiritual gifts and how they work and function, we tend to have an immature wielding of the gifts that the spirit is trying to manifest in us. And like anybody that's immature, we're going to tend to wield things uh, that are supernatural in our lives for our own benefit. Uh Um, If anything, that might be actually a really easy way uh, to find uh, out where your spiritual gifts may be is, you know, what are the areas of my life of things that I'm kind of naturally good at? that I'm using for my own purposes. I think what you said for discernment is a, is a really great example where people with discernment, when they're immature using of it, they use it to judge not just other people, but situations so that they can put themselves on top. Um, they Because they want to make sure they're not going to mess up or be thought of in a way that they don't want to be misperceived or, or anything like that. They use the gift protectively for themselves to per- protect themselves or to lift themselves up. But as they grow in maturity and the understanding of the gift and the application of the gift, as they see other people model the gift that have it as well, they start to go, oh, this isn't for me. 
Uh-huh. This is for other people, and then they start to give it away in a way that um, that blesses others. If we are discerning maybe right now in this moment that we've been wielding our gift maybe for our own purposes, or even just if we have been seeking to steward our gift in a way that blesses the body, and yet we recognize we have so much room for growth, how can we actually grow in and develop our gifts, the gifts that God has entrusted to us for His glory and for the betterment of the church? Great question. So again, just because I, I like, I don't think spiritual gifts are obtained. I also don't think that spiritual gifts, because they're really the result of the spirits and dwelling of me, they're not skills or abilities that I can hone, like playing the trumpet or perfecting my golf swing. Okay. <laughs> um, I can grow in my giftings though. I would say, um, through a number of different ways. Um, Big picture ways, I would say, to grow in your spiritual wielding of the gift, you have to first grow in your yielding of your life to the Spirit of God. Like, if you're not listening to Him, if you feel His nudge but you don't respond, I can't imagine that you're going to be able to wield your spiritual gift in a in a God-glorifying or a God-honoring way. So I'd say probably step number one is there has to be a submission to the Spirit to stay in step with Him. Uh, I would say, secondly that you need to go ahead and jump in and serve. Don't wait on the sidelines to figure out your gift before you jump in and serve within the body of Christ. Just go ahead and get out there. If it doesn't fit or if it doesn't, some, not something that you feel like you're, you're really that good at or that you even really enjoy, then serve somewhere else. But the overwhelming exhortation in the scriptures for us is to employ our gifts, to use them. And I think that in and of itself will help them grow much like uh, doctors in a teaching hospital. Like the only way I can really learn how to do surgery isn't from, you know, reading a book or watching a YouTube video or anything like that. I really have to be hands-on, number one, and then this is the other way you grow, is I have to be near someone Uh. that has that gift. And so if you want to grow in the gift of wisdom, I say find someone who has the gift of wisdom and watch them. Uh-huh. Put yourself in their presence. See how they wield it and learn from their example. And then take them to lunch or take them to coffee and ask them about how they grew in that gift and how they came to understand it. And um, ask them if they would help you understand whether or not you have that uh, particular manifestation. Uh-huh. We really could have had a whole entire podcast series on, on every single one of these gifts. Oh my gosh. We probably yeah, should have. I mean, I feel like we're just kind of scraping the surface on this, but as far as a 101 kind of an introduction, I think it's okay. Totally. So do you have any other resources that you'd recommend for somebody who's wanting to take a little bit of a deeper dive? I mean, you've already given us so much. Yeah, I really, Hunter, I really don't. And my, my reluctance to point you to a particular book is, is more because there are so many different perspectives and interpretations of this issue. But I don't know that any one, I've never read one that's like, oh yeah, this one handled all. This is spot on. Yeah. So what I would really encourage people to do is go talk to your church because they're going to have recommendations that are kind of in line with the the doctrine that your church espouses to. And most churches, I think, tend to have ways to help you discern and employ your gifts. Like you said, that your church has a spiritual gifts class. Uh And if your church doesn't have that, I'm sure there's someone on staff who can point you towards something that they would recommend. But I would just say, 
So talk to your church. I would say, like I've said before, serve, get in there, get your hands dirty. Just, right. you know, let other people see you and let them speak some of those things into you. Um, if you have a mentor, bring this up as a topic that you'd like to cover with your yeah. mentor. Somebody that's walking along with you, a journey woman that's walking along with you and help ask for their insight and for their wisdom. And uh, I think those would be really good resources, just as effective as reading any book. Do you think that question, the age old question that you taught me, like what makes your heart beat faster? Does that kind of apply to helping kind of a person determine maybe something that God has uniquely gifted them in? Um, to a certain extent, I think that once you start asking that question, that's more of a question about passion uh-huh. um, than it is about spiritual gifting. Uh, so that begins to now talk about the bigger picture of you, um, your design as a whole. And like, for example, in our church, our, our class, we don't have a spiritual gifts class. Our class is called SHAPE. And it's an act uh-huh. that stands for uh, spiritual gifts, heart abilities, passions, and experiences. And those things are kind of more of helping you understand the whole picture of you and your design so that you can employ that for the sake of the body of Christ. And I think that you'll find that all of those things are knitted together. Like you're not going to have spiritual gifts that go against some of the passions you have. Uh-huh. I think that you'll find that they're all going to be very interconnected uh, kind of connected with each other. Yeah. Well, that just sets me up perfectly for the question that everyone wants me to ask you. Do you have any tips or guidelines for maybe developing a better understanding of who you are, like in a broader context, like you were saying? And, you know, so many people have heard me talk about how I'm a journey woman for Jesus and kind of the identity statement that you helped me kind of craft when I was in the forge. Um, For those who haven't heard it, I always say I'm a journey woman for Jesus. God is sending me out to seek after those he has awakened to guide them back to their heavenly father. We get a lot of people asking questions. Do you have any tips or guidelines for developing an identity statement like the ones the listeners have heard me share? Oh gosh. Uh, that's the million million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, uh, I I wish I could do this in a short answer for one question. Um, I think we could do a whole other podcast on this one just because it's so, um, I Good thing like you're the pod father. So oh, <laughs> we know you're coming back. <laughs> uh, so I think that bottom line, it's less about crafting a, uh, a cool sounding statement and giving yourself for lack of a better term, a self-inflicted nickname than it is about, again, understanding in humility who you are and how God's designed you. Like Ephesians 2.10 says, mm-hmm for things that he's prepared beforehand for you to walk in. And so the identity statement really is essentially not a discovery of who you are as much as it is a declaration of what God has done in creating you. Does that make sense? That'll preach. When you, when you see that, and I, and I really don't think that you can do that by yourself. I really Uh think that you need at least one other person in your life. I probably better multiple other people in your lives helping you articulate that and saying, God has designed you in this way to work with these kinds of people to accomplish this goal. That's typically what the identity statement tends to be. Some are longer than others. Some are shorter. Some are more flowery. Some are metaphorical, whatever. But essentially it's, it's a statement about design 
It's a statement about uh, who the design is for and then what the design is designed to, is meant to accomplish specifically for the kingdom within the body of Christ. So I would say short, short answer. That's kind of a, a uh, you know, a short overview of how I tend to think about when I'm helping somebody think through their identity and uh, their design and, and think through how can I articulate this in like a, a, a personal mission statement for myself. Those are kind of the three elements that I'm, I'm watching for and looking for. And as you know, in the process, like a forge, it took us eight months to get there. <laughs> yes. You yes, know? it did. It took us eight months. And I felt like that was a rush. You know? <laughs> so I don't think that it's something that again, just like with spiritual gifts, it's not something that I'm, I'm looking for so that I can, you know, put a badge on my shirt and go, look at me. For I'm sure. so special because this is my cool statement as much as it's, oh my gosh, I understand who I am, what I'm doing here and the, the good works that God's designed and prepared for me since before the world was created. Uh-huh. I'm excited to go and do them now. In fact, it's almost, we shouldn't call them identity statements. We should call them accountability statements. Uh-huh. If you're not... If you're not living, if you understand that that's your design and you're not doing that, then what are you doing? You know? So again, I I get real sensitive because I know a lot of people today are searching for meaning and purpose and direction and identity. And that's certainly um, found in our design and understanding how God has wired us. But we have to remember that in that quest, we're not trying to distinguish ourselves. The reason that we're on, on that quest so that we can be a gift for others, not so that we can distinguish ourselves from other people. Man, that's good. That's really good. I kind of want to end it there, but we have this tradition in which we ask three questions and you've already been asked six. And so I'm just left with this really awkward predicament because... (laughs) More questions, Hunter, come on. (laughs) I know, Matt. I learned how to ask intentional questions from you, so I should have asked you beforehand (laughs) what intentional questions I should be asking at this point. But I am really curious and I can't believe I've never asked you this. Like, do you have... Now I'm not going to call it an identity statement anymore. Do you have an accountability statement of your own? Uh, I've always articulated mine as saying that I'm a voice of one crying out in the wilderness who prepares the way for Jesus in the lives of men and women. Very cool. What's been the most influential thing that you've done on a personal level or that you've experienced to help you understand the way in which God has gifted you and how you can glorify him with your spiritual gifts? Uh, This is going to sound very unspiritual. Um, for lack of a better term, I've received compliments, meaning that their most significant things and moments in my life have been when other Christians have walked up to me and said, thank you. Mm. What you just did changed me. It blessed me. It challenged me. It helped me. It, uh, whatever. And as I find so many times that the way that they choose to articulate their genuine gratitude for my willingness to let the spirit work through me is really confirming. And, and it, it, it resonates with uh-huh. a, what other people have said, B what I believe and know to be true about uh, my spiritual gifts and C it, it's a, it's a cool moment where, where the two of us in that moment are knit together and going, wow, we just experienced you know, the, the hand uh, and the eye working together. 
or the nose uh, and the ear working together. Uh, we experienced the way that how we're all united under Christ and how when we use our gifts, we experience um, not just personally, but corporately and not just corporately as a church, but, but even people that come to come to faith as a result that it's, you know, Jesus is still here among us. Um, even though he's ascended to the right hand of the father, as I employ my gifts for his purposes and glory, as you employ yours for the same, it's like Jesus never left. We function as the, the physical manifestation of Christ on the earth and our words, whether we have speaking gifts or our works, whether we have gifts of service, they both function in a way that, that manifests Christ to everybody. It makes the kingdom of God available just like it was in the first century when Jesus was doing the same thing. Only now we can do it worldwide rather than being localized in, in one person. Jesus has, empowered all of us by his spirit so that now everywhere you go in the world, almost everywhere you go in the world, there is um, a body of Christ that is the hands and feet of Jesus working together to manifest the reality of the kingdom to anybody um, that's interested. Praise the Lord. Well, Matt, thank you so much for using the gifts that God's entrusted to you to bless us today as Journey Women listeners. It has, as always, been such a joy to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, Hunter. Um, all the best to your listeners, and I hope that you continue to um, find joy and um, you receive some of those compliments as, as people send you praise and people send you thanks, that you would remember that you are, I think, as, I, as I've known you these many years, that you are employing your spiritual gifts and it is blessing other people and that those compliments and those thank yous are really indicators that God is working in and through you uh, for his purposes and glory. So thank you for being faithful in your gifts. Oh, thanks. Hey, you know, last time you came on the show, I said the response was so overwhelming that you should write a book. And you said, hey, you are my book. And I thought that was the coolest thing you've ever said. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for helping me as the Lord is writing my little story for his glory. And you're just you're you're such a gift to us. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Glad we get to do it together. Y'all, we really hope this episode serves you well as you seek to identify, understand, and employ your spiritual gifts for the glory of God. And more than anything, we just pray that you're encouraged to grow in your spiritual wielding of the gifts by first growing in your yielding of your life to the Spirit of God, as Matt mentioned. Hey, don't forget there's discussion questions and all the resources that Matt mentioned over at journeywomenpodcast.com. And if you want to connect with us throughout the week, you can head over to at journeywomenpodcast on Instagram or Facebook. So you'll know this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Pod Shaper team. Hey, it's a joy as always to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Oh,